Google Mud and Dirty Jokes, it's pun intensive. And welcome to Pun Intensive. We have a great group of people around the table here today. We're going to start off with uh, Halak the Doors, or he might get in. The man is totally unhinged and ready to bolt, Gary Halleck. John Jacob Guggenheimer, Schmidt's long-lost brother. Shout his name, David Guggenheim. Uh, if he loses any of our games, it will ruin his day, ruin Debray. Uh, and, of course, there's me. When I win the lottery, I'll be a million Aaron, Aaron Faisal. And special guest, uh, Bartholomew or Bartholomew, Bart Brehab. Uh, so we are going to start off, as always, with Zinger of the Week. Zinger of the Week, true tales and testaments of the wit in word perpetrated in real life by ours truly. So let's start off with David Guggenheim. David Guggenheim is the producer of the O. Henry pun-off. Uh, you just finished your fifth it was the 42nd pun off, but it was my it was fifth, fifth. producer. Excellent. All right. So let's hear your zinger of the week, David. Well, I didn't get out that much this week, so I'm going to steal one from Facebook that I just really made me crack up. It was a picture of a half man, half horse. And it said uh, that this um, old drawing was one of Chiron. And it said that he was half horse, half human doctor, which made him the centaur of disease control. CDC, centaur of disease oh, control. Oh, oh. <laughs> disease control. Uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was, no, that was great. That was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then we have long time sort of, uh, contestant of the O. Henry pun off. Also a, Grad student? Yes. Yes. Also a grad student at UT um, in mathy stuff, Arun Debray. So my zinger of the week. This week it's, you know, it's the end of all of these students' leases at UT, so a lot of them are moving. So I helped a friend move. And she said that afterwards, cl you know, cleaning up the old apartment and everything and, like, dusting everything and washing everything was really strangely cathartic and that she kind of liked it, and even though she didn't expect that. And so I said, ah, I understand. It's a moving experience. <laughs> and, uh, and and I have one I want to share, too. Um, uh, I know a lot of times in this podcast I mentioned my son. This pun was actually mine, but uh, um, as is often the case, we will tease each other, and it occurred to me that whenever Sebastian insults me, I'm sunburned. Oh, wow. Yep. Sunburned. Yep. That's a summer joke if there ever was one. Uh, and uh, I'll put that one on the back burner. All right. <laughs> I incidentally, of course, am the producer of this show and longtime participant in the O. Henry Punoff. Um, even longer time participant in the O. Henry Punoff would be uh, Gary Halleck, the producer emeritus of the O. Henry Punoff and my cope reducer on this podcast. Gary? Yeah, I, I was listening to the radio as I do almost every day, all day long. I listen to the radio, and they're always doing these pu public service announcements. Our program is uh, underwriter by blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I hear this one all the time. It says, this program is sponsored by HomeAdvisor.com, where homeowners can get matched with local pros. And the first thing I think is, you know, <laughs> okay, would that uh, only make your problems verse? If you're matched no. with lo local <laughs> pros, no, but, but really, I had to take it a little poetic license and twist it even further, though, because pros is a common shorthand for 
prostitutes, right? So if I were actually looking for a review of local mm. prose, I would probably go to Angie's Lust. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's funny. It never. Do- I've, I've heard that term used for prostitutes, but I always just thought of it as professional. <laughs> that doesn't yeah, make any yeah. sense. <laughs> it circled back on itself. I'm so naive. It circled back on itself. <laughs> and you, you have to pay extra for that if, when you go to the local pros. You know, it's a true story. I got kicked out, well, sent to the hall in uh, Sunday school when I was a little kid because I raised my hand and asked the teacher, what's the difference between a Catholic and a prostitute? What was the answer? <laughs> Aaron, the question should have been the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant. For for those in the audience who haven't noticed, I have to explain my puns to Aaron. I'm sure they've noticed, yes. Uh, And our very special guest, longtime uh, accomplice of Gary Halleck, uh, uh, Bart Brehob. Did I say that right? Yes, you got it. Okay, Bart Brehob. Yeah, Gary kind of uh, accidentally set me up for one. We were traveling down towards San Marcos to get a look at a van, and he mentioned that it had been 10 years since he saw his sister-in-law in in new brothels. (laughs) And it got me thinking that modern architecture makes up for a lot because I guess uh, uh, the the sister had like 10 years on his Um, wife. uh, That just makes me think. I saw, not for the first time, but the first time in a very long time, Idiocracy. And um, one of the gags in there is that everybody speaks English very poorly uh, and, and substitutes big words with similar sounding words. Anyway, new brothels would have been one of those. Hey, you know, I've, I've got a backlog of zingers. Can, can, I, can I bring another one? <laughs> well, we have been on break for a while. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you know, uh, recently the news media has been doing a lot of reporting uh, and celebrating of the 50th anniversary of NASA's Apollo moon missions. And uh, the announcer I, I heard was summing it all up. And he says, altogether, there were six crude landings on the moon. And I thought, well, I'm not one to rush to judgment, but that does seem like an obviously space racist comment. Uh, spacist? <laughs> space, <laughs> space racist comment, you know. And it got me to thinking uh, uh, about that racially charged term, black hole, right? Uh, considering the extreme gravity of the situation, I think it's safer not to go there. <laughs> you know, the astronaut's offspring are going to the moon. You remember Neil Armstrong had trouble landing because when he got there, he realized the place he was supposed to land was very bumpy and full of rocks and stuff. And uh, when his uh, kid, when his male kid gets there, he's going to have to remember uh, the uh, sun is crater than the hole. So this is not a pun. This is just a story I heard this week that Neil Armstrong would tell, tell people absolutely terrible jokes about the moon. And then when no one laughed, he'd say, yeah, you know, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> Which you weren't, <laughs> and, and 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 that's really true. So apparently. I read it on Twitter, which doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Colin Kaepernick was not born. So when he was watching it on PBS the other night, he didn't realize that it was a recording, and he was looking at the screen when they set up the flag, and he kept saying Neil Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that'll make that'll make the front of your pants pant legs uh, kind of green. When you kneel in the grass and you get dyes on. <laughs> Are you saying the moon is made of green cheese, Gary? 
Do you kneel in DeGrasse when you're uh, collecting the chickens? Because then you kneel DeGrasse Tyson. <laughs> but we digress. Let's, let's digress even further uh, into a game. We're going to take a quick break first. But after this, uh, boring to no one, we become journalists. And we are back. We are going to play one of my favorite games, Headlines. Headlines. We hear that uh, the New York Times is in desperate need of some journalists, so I stepped up and volunteered all of us. So here are some stories that have already been written. Uh, We just need to write the headlines. First one, wild boars are leaving European forests for city streets. Across Europe, wild boars are becoming more urban. They've clashed with police, civilians, and are enjoying leftover fast food meals. They pose a unique problem for lawmakers, farmers, and veterinarians. There's more to that article, but I'm very interested in, based on that, what the headline should be. Life in the Pig City. (laughs) Welcome to Hamburg. Oh. Infestation of wild pigs leads to severe porking shortage. (laughs) Plight of the working boar. We're bacon-pulled pork. Ugly pigs create a poor scene. Do you know what temperature you raise your pork to to make sure it's safe? What? Six degrees. Separated so from separate your, separate it, from it, your it, bacon it, because <laughs> it's Kevin bacon. Six degrees, Kevin. <laughs> or would that be measured? It's a little chilly, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope they don't have an invasion of pigs in Bedford Stuyvesant. Reaping what you sow. That's awesome. Yes. This story is really boring. Used oh. in my intro. I borrowed that one. <laughs> <laughs> Pigs on Port Chow Main Street. Okay, so they bring in some archers to shoot the pigs. It would be the Boer Wars. Oh. This, this, this is, sounds like an asterisk headline. Okay. It? You know, like this, this seems like a plot point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, okay, they, they, you know, Obelix did something, and now the Boers are leaving the city and bothering the Romans. <laughs> uh, you don't, you, you don't want to go out late at night all by yourself in Spain because you, you don't want to go into Barcelona. A bunch of male chauvinist pigs in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have another story. This is actually in Future News. On September 20th, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Pacific time, millions of people, assuming they stick to their pledge, will storm secret military base Area 51 in an attempt to see them aliens, quote-unquote. A U.S. Air Force spokeswoman issued a statement saying the Air Force, quote, would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces, unquote. Surely nothing could possibly go wrong. You don't want to see the results of the alien dissection because everything's autopsy-turvy in there. Some people are against it. The headline would read, UFOK with me. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like they plan it pretty far ahead. Yeah. really good. The people who get killed will be listed the next day in the orbits. This story would be very dramatic uh, and, and it would 
really be taxing on me. Andromeda strains me. How much space are they devoting to this article? <laughs> I say when they finally did that alien autopsy, they discovered the source of the black hole. Actually, it was an autopsy. It, they couldn't see it. It was on the other side. On the other side of what? Uranus? <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you burned up on reentry? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Headline: Thousands of volunteers given Martian orders to storm Area 51. That that that's, Area 51. that's the headline. Uh, uh, all right. So yeah, then, no, so you can get that one from your former wife in, out of the X Files. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go on to our third story. Although 526 is an unusual number in any context. When it's the number of teeth removed from a seven-year-old boy, it's downright bonkers. Worried that he might have cancer in his jaw, doctors operated and found, then removed what they described as a, quote, bag-like mass, unquote, weighing half a pound. Inside were 526 tooth-like structures. And I would encourage listeners to look this one up online. The photos are crazy. Excuse me, the Mueller investigation is fake news. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you say? He was seven years old? Uh-huh. When he gets, a, gets another, another uh, five or six years old, he'll be a dentine. <laughs> <laughs> Brush your breath. Brush your breath. Or as they say, you are what you choose. So, let's ask the real questions. What are they going to do with 526 extra teeth? You know, I'm worried one of these dentists is going to get arrested for incisor trading. <laughs> <laughs> so sharking revelation. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Sure. I'm not sure I believe this story. Do you think I should bite? <laughs> it's on the internet, so it must be true. Well, I, I didn't want to be jumping to occlusions. Oh, wow. So how did they know the boy was sick? Did he look down in the mouth? <laughs> yeah, they were initially skeptical, but then sure. <laughs> you know, he was like, I got a filling. <laughs> well, at least he didn't have a dick cavity. Oh, I, I was literally going to say that. Look <laughs> <laughs> it up on the internet. Cavity MTAR. How did they cut those teeth out of there? Did they use tartar saws? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so this topic should be abridged. <laughs> <laughs> too big for our bridges i suppose and our final story in june of 2019 nearly 100 drivers wound up in a muddy field gridlocked although the road was a dirt road and it was pouring rain as one driver put it quote well there's so many other people going it must be okay unquote Turns out there was a minor glitch in Google Maps that day, yet at least 100 people didn't use what some people call judgment. The new slogan is, turn around or you're apt to drown. <laughs> My big concern about this is, to, is that I'm not going to trust Google Maps anymore. Uh, uh, I'm going to be a road warrior. <laughs> Google Maps voted outstanding in its field. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who drove into the water said I was using Google Maps because, I don't know, I just didn't have my ways. Man drives into the mud in his Jeep. P.S. He's a dum-dum. So they got into the mud and couldn't get out. There's no two ways about it? 
<laughs> With the Z. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some dirt on the new Google Maps. Google Maps update is trucked up. It's your gridlocky day. Something about off-road into the sunset. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. Okay, I'll tell you what. Why don't you think about it over the break, uh, which we are currently going into. Uh, but after this, we talk in puns about puns. Stick around. And we are back. Two months ago now was the 42nd annual O. Henry Museum pun-off world championships a couple of episodes ago we were able to cobble together so to speak a handful of contestants who are all from out of town uh, we did not include a couple of contestants that are from in town and they are here now we of course have uh, arun debray who won which place uh, second place in punslingers excellent and although he wasn't a contestant this year we, of course, have the actual producer of the O. Henry Punoff, David Guggenheim. Let's start off with a question to Arun. What was your most memorable moment of the 2019 O. Henry Punoff? I think the two answers for me, and I'm sorry that I couldn't pick, but um, so the first one was, so I somehow convinced a couple of my friends to come to the Punoff. I don't know why. They don't, they don't like puns. They were there anyway. So when I first got on stage for Punslingers, the friends of mine that I had somehow convinced to come start, you know, they, they cheered as one does for one's friends. And the announcer was like, Arun Debray, oh, wow, he has a cheering section. And so that was nice. The other moment that was also big was when after, uh, after I, like, quarterfinals, semifinals, whatever it's called, Elite Eight in basketball. And when I was moving on, I was like, wow, I'm in the top four. This is very, very strange. This is great. And it's, it's sort of less pressure because whatever happens, I've made it pretty far. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was also momentous. Prior to this last pun-off, what was the highest you ever got? Uh, fourth place, but in punniest in show, which is different. Gotcha. David, uh, as yes. the producer, let's talk about one or two of your favorite moments of the pun-off this year. One of my favorite moments in the uh, punniest of show, the crowd was so impressed with several of the contestants that even Erica, who got third place, could have easily been in the uh, running for first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, uh, it was really strong. The, they, they all got, uh, the top three all got standing ovations when they did their routines. Mm -hmm. And it, the quality of the uh, punniest of show routines this year were so high that I was extremely impressed. Seems like it gets better every year, which is slightly stressful as a contestant, but good <laughs> as an audience member. Well, which is a big problem we're having in that the contestants are getting better every year. And... In Punish of Show, they're limited to two minutes maximum before they get dinged out. Well, first of all, this year, nobody got dinged out that I remember. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but in Punslingers, <laughs> they were so good that uh, we went a little over half an hour late because the contestants just kept coming up with more and more puns. So, so your, your biggest takeaway from the pun off this year was the fact that uh, clearly uh, we have the, top the, the, the worst contestant was still really good. Yeah, yeah. No, no that, that's great. I, I run into you know, dozens of people every year who say they have come from out of state specifically for our event and that's boy that is loyalty but, but in all sincerity i'm hoping uh, our listeners who have not been to the o henry punoff will 
take that into consideration. It's worth coming for pretty much anything. Especially oh, it's a good show, different. even yeah. if you're uh, not participating as a yeah. contestant. It's a great show. You should, um, I mean, if you're unsure whether or not you want to come, watch the videos. They're all, they're all online, and you can get a feel for what it's actually like and how funny these guys are anyways. Do you two have a favorite pun of the contest that you can remember and want to share? Annika Eagle did a thing with the talk show hosts. She worked the names of every talk show host, past, present, and future that you can imagine <laughs> into this immensely creative routine. And she had photographs of every one of them. Uh, so she had this. She arrived with this big stack of of, uh, of photographs, and she was reeling them off uh, and and showing them to everybody as she was saying the names. And that is an incredibly complicated thing to create, to present, and to avoid uh, crashing and burning. Hey, that's an interesting point uh, for people who are listening to this and considering entry next year. Uh, would you recommend they bring props? Props means a lot of different things. So let's say you're doing something where you want to come in costume. Like you're going to sing a parody of a song by, I don't know, pick your favorite songwriter. Sting, and you dress up like a... B. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, that's good. Or you dress up like someone in Sting. I don't know. Wait, a Sting, a group? A cop. Yeah. (laughs) The hazard in that, if you come in a costume, you are telegraphing uh, your, your gag because you can't just come up on stage in the costume, you've got to be in the costume before. So people are going to see it. They're going to know uh, the, the guy from England. Uh, what's his name? Darren. Dar- Darren. Darren Walsh. Dar- Darren Walsh came all the way from England. He was the, the pun champion of the UK. Uh, and he showed up in a chicken outfit, mm-hmm. a full-blown yellow chicken outfit <laughs> that he, I, I, I would love to have seen him go through T- <laughs> the TSA frisking with that thing on. I'm sure but, he was too chicken too. But, but, you know, the minute anybody sees him, you know, they start throwing chicken jokes at him or whatever. Well, this whole routine was built around chickens. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's heard it all. He's already d- done all these things. Uh, so as an MC, you don't dare risk stealing his thunder uh, in, a, in a case like that. So... Uh, it's dangerous in that regard, then, of course, uh, you're also going to be slightly distracting the audience because you're a chicken, you're not a guy. <laughs> and, and so uh, it looks a little bit like you're pandering uh, to, to come up there with, with a big a bunch of props or costumes or something because your, your routine is supposed to be all about puns and wordplay, not about costumes and, and goofy stuff. Uh, but but I, I, that you know that's visually compelling and it looks great on the video and I always enjoy it and the audience always enjoys the the added bonus of having the the props or the costume. Musical acts uh, uh, are always uh, real popular too, but it's it's always a hazard because you got technical issues, you got uh, audience. Some of the audiences you know. 100, 200 feet away and can't possibly appreciate that like the people who are, who are up close. Uh, I have a question. Do you give direction to the judges in regard to... Just how to get there. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, the only thing that I've told the judges is uh, there are no requirements such as counting the number of puns. Judge it on your own uh, how, you know, how good you thought it was and please leave your religion, your lack of it, and your politics at home because it's about the puns and the humor. It's not about do you agree with the uh, opinions expressed in the routine. That's an interesting tact that very few people take, but some do. They, they, they deliberately get political. Uh, the, the, the obvious one is Annika, right? Well, and, and she, we had uh, a couple of years ago uh, 
Michael Cole did his uh, Trump routine where he was dressed and oh, looked like right. Trump. That's right. I forgot about that. But but I, I just just in regard to Annika, she, she is a huge crowd pleaser. What Annika does is not overtly political as much as it is social commentary. And, and her thing about the talk show host was the the commentary was that there are almost zero women who have done talk shows. Uh, and and the culmination of it was a statement or simply you know, social statement that that it's time for women to, to to be talk show hosts. I contend that that is not political. That well, is that is a social commentary. That's, that's fair. Uh, and 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 that's it's not the same thing as bashing Trump or uh, or saying it's you know let's go bomb Iraq or something like that. You know it's just it's just a political commentary. What I'm getting at is one might think that you need to avoid getting political. And the fact is pretty much any topic can fall flat <laughs> if, if not executed well. You, you had yeah, some to add so to that? This actually happened to me this year. Going into Punniest of Show, you think carefully about your topic and you consider a couple topics, which one makes for good puns, and crucially, which one is not common enough that everyone's heard the cliches before. So beer is a very common topic that I've heard, I think, at least four times in the hmm. past four years. I mean, there's lots. It's, it's fertile for puns, but you know, you may be just rehashing someone else's old puns. So um, I eventually decided on space, and I and I went back the past two years, I think, and saw no one had made any any had done space as their topic. And I was like, all right, great, I can do this. I wrote a routine, and literally the person before me did space as her routine, and and some of the, some of the puns, including some of the ones I thought were cleverer, were the same. There was another pair of those where it was literally the same topic two in a row, at some other point this year, if I remember correctly. So. Unfortunately, uh, David's strategy of just ad-libbing these days will not get you very far because the competition has gotten a lot stricter, I think. And, and, and I also think that even if two people had the same topic and the same puns, the actual structure can be wildly different and the performance skills can be wildly different. Yeah, which, which, can, which can work for or against you depending on whether or not yours is... Right. Better. Right. So uh, else being equal, it's good to have yeah. a distinct, unique topic that everyone likes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to take anybody by surprise by by punning basically on the same word over again. Another famously failed uh, attempt at using props at the punniest of show was Patrick Hester many long years ago did this fantastic routine using the names of colors. You know, you can imagine. You know, you, you know, you know, you're Roy G. Biv, uh, but but he had he had a box of 64 Crayola crayons came out on stage and he started his routine and he kept pulling one after another crayon out of this box and and made the pun on it and threw it on the ground in front of the stage. Mm -hmm. Well, about about five crayons in, every kid in the whole audience was out there picking up crayons <laughs> on the, in, from in front of the stage. <laughs> totally, totally stole all of the attention. Oh, no. Was one of them the karate kid? You know, wax on, wax off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Arun, um, yeah, so uh, per thing. Gary's request, you're going to recite your punniest of show from 2019. Yes. Sun, Mercury, the necessitate Earth, the marsipan, too. Jupiter on the stove Saturn day? Because you're in us out if you nab tune much. <laughs> Dad, I owe you an apology, but tighten up and don't be callous to me. I know we don't have Ganymede and Europa Whelm, but I can demonstrate that I'm triton my best. I'm no pole star child, but I know of a planet to delay. I looked in the space drawer and we're out of star Annie's and Kuipers. So I went to the spice shop, the one where all the Sagittarius go. On my way, though, I stubbed my toe on a rocket, bruised so bad it was a Pluto with a great red spot. The hurt sprung, rustling me from my solar focus, which caused most of the delay. I was upsetty, but I assessed the situation, <laughs> taking it seriously. I know the gravity well. 
I was able to hobble along to the shop, but it took some time. I needed extraterrestrial good. Just before I get to the shop, I hear, Oh, Ryan, how are you doing? Hello, Nick. I'm doing stellar. You? Let me tell you about Nick Parasek. He's part of a local group of internet filmmakers called Eclipse. They're shooting stars. When they meteor, it's an opportunity to see their spirit of curiosity and what's the Buzz Aldrin about. Oh, and one's the Neutron Star. Anyways, Nick said, hey, Lego Eaton, Universe said I couldn't, so we satellite launch off course at Chowder Space, a nice Gemini city. They serve granola too, so the waiter told me, soup or clusters. Today's special is Capricorn Chowder. We're chairing a plate of these spuds, Nick. For both of you? Aw, what a serious commitment. No, 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 no. We're just a parallax bros. And to drink? Beetlejuice? Zoda? Zoda? Yak. Wow, Yuri Gagarin over it. Oh, and can we get some extra soya sauce? He's a big dipper. <laughs> Anyways, quasar my oort foot. I couldn't Aquarius stuff without asteroids. And Nick couldn't drive me in his Taurus because there's some major traffic and drama downtown. So I had to virgo the spices and flavor the curry with dairy, the Milky Way. Sorry, Dad. And the moral of the story is, in spice, nobody comes here. Use cream. <laughs> so it, this probably landed a lot better because I didn't have to stick within two minutes. So I was you able mean, to say it more slowly. Mean, and just, oh, you mean, you mean here. Just, now? just here? Yeah, yeah. It didn't wow. do so well at the that. Panel. That was slow. <laughs> <laughs> I think this maybe is explaining things that I should heed for next year. Yeah. You, you know, uh, a little bit of strategy. You had a good, a good strong finishing line there. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, if you weren't too rushed, uh, you know, you can get a lot of credit just for having a good strong finishing line because people can't keep up with that thing as fast as you're going through it they can't possibly appreciate as much work as you put into it but if you got a good strong finishing line it kind of reassures everybody that you know at least you know what you said and that you're proud of it and that you and that you've got a good strong finishing line and right. that's that's a strategy that, that I've seen uh, most winners do they have a, a good strong finish not just a, a, a fading off into the sunset well, I try to have a good, strong finishing line. And this one I had, you know, the In Space Nobody Can Hear You Scream parody. I tried it, and then I tested it on a bunch of friends, and turned out none of them had watched Alien. <laughs> so I, I also have not watched Alien, as it happens, but I recognize the line. Excellent. Let's go ahead and take a break, then. When we come back, we are going to play either the first or second most popular game at the Old Henry Park. Stick around. We are going to play, as always, the Pun Slingers game. That means you will be hearing David Guggenheim teamed up with Arun Debray. And you'll also be hearing the team of Bart Brehob and Gary Halleck. So, I get to come up with a topic. Winged or winged creatures. I've got a, a, a cross-dressing show to go to tonight. I'm going to get, get into Dragonfly. <laughs> Most of my puns have no eagle. I have puns to sparrow in this one. Um, I wasn't sure whether I liked purple or, or pink, so I asked my friends. I took a poll with my friends in the pink one. <laughs> if I had more of a bird brain, I could come up with something, I'm sure. Boy, was that ostrich. <laughs> I applied for an education grant, but they turned me down. I'm not going to apply for a Pelican. <laughs> so, you know, I had a bad experience in, um, in a castle, and now I'm castle-wary. <laughs> Ooh, no, that was pretty. That was pretty bad. <laughs> so I don't know if they were boxers or uh, did John Grisham wear pelican briefs? Started out flying, starting to drag on. Oh, good. Ed. What actor is the most fond of the coastline? Steven Seagal. 
Does Pinocchio have a woodpecker? <laughs> the, so, does anybody remember when Ted Cruz accidentally tweeted a, a pornography? Does anyone forget? <laughs> of course, the, the the whole subject of that particular video was to Pegasus. Oh my God! <laughs> or if it was Sarah Palin, she would say somebody condor into it. Yeah, I had turtle recall. <laughs> Turtles can fly. Turtle, turtle dove? doves. You never heard of a turtle oh, dove? Sorry. <laughs> I, I love the sincerity of that. Turtles can fly. <laughs> Which is a real man. I am nothing if not sincere. I take all of my humor completely seriously. Uh, Enchanted Rock is not my fault. But uh, it's part ridge. Enchanted Rock? I think I saw that in one of Scheherazade's stories. Tale of Sinbad, maybe? Enchanted Rock, R-O-C? Oh, okay. Anyways. Are we still on the winged... Winged creatures, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just bad at this. <laughs> she put her jeans on backwards, and when she, when she went to zip them up, she scissor tail flycatcher. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm, my, I, my favorite prehistoric hip-hop artist is uh, Chance the Raptor. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> now, what, you know, raptors don't have to be prehistoric. No, but okay. I just use that in my setup. <laughs> just be silly. MC <laughs> Hammer's prehistoric raptor. That was terrible didactyl. So there's this parody of this old, well, not old, but there's this parody of this movie coming out where instead of losing a car, they lose a bird. And it's like, dude, where's Macaw? <laughs> I'm beginning to regret this topic came up. <laughs> I I just want to move on. Turkey, I hardly know her. <laughs> you can hardly tell the difference. <laughs> My turn. Ha, ha. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Sparrow. I, I like to go to the beaches in the summertime because that's where you can see gulls. Used. You know, my favorite uh, <laughs> physicist is Stephen Hawking. Not Neil deGrasse Tyson's chicken? <laughs> you know, I knew a hen. She got around a lot. She was a free-range hen. She had had a cockatoo. It's because she believes in eagle rights. Eagle rights? <laughs> that was the one I started off with. Oh. <laughs> How tall is your fr friend that you knew? Was she a peahen? She, she's always puffing up. You know, I'm worried about whether maybe I'll go bald someday. But hopefully I'll get to keep my hair on. You know, I read that last night when you were on the phone. You sent me a pair of tweets. Do you have proof of purchase? You know what's untweetable? A canarial disease. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? Canary a pun come out of your mouth? Is a canarial disease a kind of mallardy? <laughs> I... I, I, I was uh, working on a woodworking project the other day, and I ran out of sandpiper. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure Ukraine do it. You know what you do when you run out of sandpiper? You have to use your emery bird. <laughs> you know what happens when you leave iron out in the elements for a long time? Ica rust. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a winged creature. <laughs> Get that one from Kathy Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually, it was Kathy Gryffindor. She almost lost her career. What a loon. <laughs>
You're saying she's a parody of herself? <laughs> After we name every winged creature, we must squido. Squido? We must quito. Oh, oh, got, oh, yeah, hey, that's good. Oh, yeah, so puns, puns about insects could also fly. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've already done a couple of insects, haven't we? Insects is illegal in most states. What's wrong with it? <laughs> Not going to sling any mud, Dauber. <laughs> Your favorite MTV band was My Yellow Jacket? I don't know. That depends. How hornet are you? <laughs> you know, I know people that are on that diet where they don't eat any carbs, and most keto people lose weight. <laughs> they usually just coast. Swat, you're going to do about it. <laughs> I, I choose to flee. <laughs> Wait. Why, because you bumbled so badly? No, fleas don't have wings. Oh, that was bat. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's go to the hop. <laughs> you get a ladybug topic down now? <laughs> you know, another one of my favorite bands is Termite Be Giants. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. David wins. Uh, all right. At the end, I do declare a winner, and I am going to declare Bart the winner. Because 100% of his were clever, uh, even though he only did about four or five, whereas all of us had some lame ones. So we are going to come back, uh, uh, but when we do, we'll get stuck in our own mud pile. Stick around. So uh, we're going to wrap things up in just a few moments. We're going to be getting some uh, very good advice from our panelists. So please hang out until we get to that point. But in the meantime, uh, you might want to jot down uh, punintensive.com. You can also find out stuff about us at uh, twitter.com slash punintensive, facebook.com slash punintensive, and so on. Just check the show notes. So we've noticed that there have been a lot of issues uh, with people getting around accurately and I have congregated an excellent panel of map experts. They will be giving you some of the best map advice you have ever heard. I will start. Your teenager has a bad latitude. We must be using Google Maps. Arun Debray. So I'm just going to suggest what's the best group to listen to while you're blindly following your GPS into the mud is well, One Direction. <laughs> and David Guggenheim. If you have a choice of languages to use on your map, always use Spanish. Because down the corner of the map, there's a key, and a key is always here. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Bart Brehab? I just recommend people gas up if they're not going to ask for directions. That's all I can say. That's fair. <laughs> and uh, finally, my cope reducer, Gary Halleck. Uh, I would recommend... Don't follow Google Maps. Don't follow Apple Maps. Go to uh, Martin Luther King's website uh, because they offer free at last, free at last. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. I'm Aaron Faisal. I am signing off with a catchphrase, uh, and we'll see you next week. 